What's going on, guys? It's UFC 271 recap. Fun night, good night, just the kind of night we needed. Hit the top two tickets last week, hit the top two tickets this week, but 11 and 3 overall, 14 fight card. Felt like the reads were on point. And I know I have a tendency to make some excuses when some things go bad, but I take responsibility when it was a flat out bad read. I don't think I had any flat out bad reads. Sergey Morozov is a couple inches away from scoring a first round knockout. We look awesome. Our second loss. Jared Vandera, like that's a close fight, man. That goes back and forth the whole way. Uh, it could have got it was a split decision, it really could have gone either way. And it was the PRP pick, it wasn't like there was any real confidence there. And then Derek Lewis tied to Ivasa. Derek Lewis almost knocks him out in the first round. So a couple bad bounces, but I'm I'm cool with how things worked out. I'm cool with how things worked out. I'm jazzed up for this recap. I got real banged up last night. But it's noon now, so let's get through this because it's 14 fights, and I know everyone's got Super Bowl plans, so uh, we won't take up too much of it. Maxim Grishin versus Willie Knight kicking things off the very first fight. Yeah, Willie Knight misses weight by, like, 11 pounds, so don't really know what to expect. But, yeah, we took Grishin. He was the better kickboxer, just a way more experienced guy. Willie Knight's on short notice. But to be honest, I, I wasn't really fully sure what to expect. And – uh it, it, it pretty much went how I think most people assume that it would, is that Christian's just way too tall. He's a ranger guy. He's a kickboxer. He intercepted and just beat him up at range throughout the entirety of it. Knight attempted to get the fight to the ground a few times, but had no real success. In fact, it was Christian that was able to get the takedowns. And, and, and really, he just won all three rounds. It was pretty clean cut, rinse and repeat. At 37, I don't think Christian's getting much better, but this was a solid enough performance. And he really is a good keeper in the sense that he can do everything. He's durable. He's got some spotty cardio at times but this is another good one for him uh kickboxing's on point grappling's on point like he can do everything well there's just no real major long-term upside and then for william knight like he'd have to fight at middleweight which i just don't think he's gonna be. listen he just missed 205 by 12 pounds like middleweight's out of the question he's a small 205er and this is what you see if the guy was to ever try to compete at heavyweight like he'd just be vastly outsized so it was Grishin should have gone a little higher up on Grishin, but with the mate with, with the weight miss by night and his style of being a big physical guy that could in theory press you up against the cage. Let's not forget that the dude's so jacked that if he clipped you, gonna be a problem. Uh, but I was cool with how Grishin performed. Good stuff there. One and zero on the night. Awesome. Jeremiah Wells versus Blood Diamond. This is where I fucked up in the sense that everybody knows Jeremiah Wells should win this fight. This is jiu-jitsu against grappling. Only the grappler knows no jiu-jitsu. And the jiu-jitsu guy got some okay striking as well. A little bit of a front runner in Jeremiah Wells, but Jeremiah's a bullfrog. His uh, jiu-jitsu's good. His striking's okay. He's not taking this fight on short notice like the Worley Alves fight. You, you probably get a good to get a version of him. But the other guy's name's Blood Diamond. And he does look like Wesley Snipes. And he's Izzy's buddy. And he's on an undercut. Should he be in the UFC? Hell no. But he's Izzy's body, so they're doing him a favor, and all this stuff runs in your head. And well, I've never seen him grapple. I've watched a ton of his kickbox. I, I never seen him grapple. Can he grapple? There's an assumption that he should be able to grapple if he's signed by the UFC, but you can't be always making putting too much into these assumptions. Anyways, it gave me cold feet, and this is where I, I screwed up big time. I debated with myself for about an hour on the third ticket, Morozov or Wells. Who to go? Morozov or Wells. And I went with Morozov. Bad, bad move. Because Wells just had his way easy in this one. He gets the easy takedown. I will give Blood Diamond credit. 
his takedown defense, like he stuffed the first takedown or two. It didn't look like he absolutely had no clue what he was doing. He tried to get a base up against the cage. He was doing his best to stay up. But it's not like this is Wells' first rodeo. Dude's 34. Dude's been fighting for a decade. Uh, and again, fights with some of the best guys in the gym every day. Sean Braid, day in and day out. You think he's just going to quit on the first stuffed takedown? Like, no, nah, he's going to chain wrestle. He's going to grind on you. And as soon as he did get to the fight to the ground, well, then it was easy money, right? He's just that much better. Switch back, uh, a fast pass over to Mount. And then from there, he's got the back take. Uh, again, another credit to Blood Diamond. He fought off the rear naked choke pretty violently for the first little bit. And then eventually, he just sunk it in. So the wells, wells by submission, uh, especially if you're a prop hunter, like almost too obvious, right? But the guy's name was Blood Diamond. Why wasn't Wells on our top ticket? I, I don't know. I don't know. But we're 2-0, and so who cares at this point? And then we run into Sergey Morozov, Douglas D'Andrage. Uh, man, what a pain in the ass this one was. So I assume Morozov, better wrestler, not really want to stand with Andrage for that long. So get your wrestling going. Andrage has had problems in the past with getting taken down. Laurel Murphy takes him down. Henan Burrell once upon a time takes him down. He gives up takedowns. If you want to stand in front of him, good luck, because the dude is supremely jacked, and he throws heavy heat. And he's a little bit older, but just look at the guy's record. He's 20, 28, yeah, 28 and 4. That's not by fault, as he fought some cans early in his career, sure. But the guy's a banger. You don't want to stand with him for too long. But regardless of that, Morozov's quicker to the punch. He's got a nice little snappy jab. He's got quicker hand speed than D'Andrage. I think he starts off pretty good. Uh, he rocks him with a couple decent hooks. And then, boom, uppercut. D'Andrage slips under. Well, he like ducks his head under. Morozov comes up at the right, folds him over with an uppercut. So, yeah, I mean, you're on your feet cheering. We want, we want this win. He's a third-ticket guy. He was the second choice on that third ticket. But all, all the same, you know, I've now valued him as my sixth most confident guy on the card. And he's looking like it. He's looking really good. So he drops him. He's decent ground and pound once the Ford, uh, the fight does hit the canvas. And you see D'Andrage, big cut over the forehead. Things are going good. D'Andrage scrambles to get back up. And this, this to me, is the turning point. Because I'm sitting with a buddy. And I'm going to a, a friend's birthday party. So that's why I wasn't like live tweeting as much. But I was paying attention. I wasn't live tweeting as much. So my buddy's like, oh, this is good news. This is good news. Yeah, it's good news. But I, I wish we would have put them put them away. You know, long the fight goes, you never know what happens. But they, they clinch up, okay? There's like 30 seconds left in the round. Morozov looks a little bit fatigued once he gets back up. He's having an adrenaline dump. He just dropped this guy, failed to put him away, unleashed a bunch of ground and pound. He's, he's actually starting to tire himself. There's only 30 seconds in the round. And nobody in their right mind has that round scored for D'Andrage. It's just a, it's a round in the bank. You've won the round. There's 30 seconds. Just chill. Instead, Morozov bumps him, presses him up against the cage, gets double underhooks, picks him up, and slams him to the canvas. Beautiful takedown. But what are you doing, man? You've already won. That takedown does nothing for you. It doesn't give you more points because the round's sealed. It doesn't, it doesn't cause any real damage. On It just picked him up and slammed him, right? No big deal. But it exerted a bunch of energy from you, and you didn't have that energy. It was already starting to fume. So my buddy's like, oh, big takedown. And I told him, I says, I wish he'd come out for the start of the second round and do exactly what he just did there in that last 30 seconds. Bomb rush him, press him up against the cage, pick him up, slam him. I wanted the fight on the ground. I wanted Morozov to wrestle. He just showed he can definitely take this guy down if he wants to. Why not go with that game plan? Second round starts. Morozov doesn't shoot the takedown. He is tired. Gets sloppy, makes a mistake. He stands in front of D'Andrage. And, you know... I'll give him one thing. Like, I wouldn't fully call him Chinny because he was uh, was getting dropped by everything that hit him. But he survived the first, like, three or four. He shot these desperate takedown attempts. But unfortunately, he realized he was running into a Greek pillar of a man because, holy shit, dude. Yandraj is jack. So these reactionary takedowns, when you're desperate, you're not just going to – he's not just going to fall on his ass. Like, 
He's he's a very muscular man. He's going to shuck you off. He's going to present some resi re resistance. And yeah, I don't know. Morozov was just on skates, so eventually he's able to snag up his back. And again, Morozov tried to fight the rear naked choke for a bit, but once those uh, Brazilian pythons got under the chin, that was it. That was all. So ruined a couple tickets there for sure. Uh, not great, but this is MMA, man. There's variances. We almost had this guy out in the first round. One judge scored the first round as a 10-8 round for Morozov, right? So in theory, he just needed to to survive the next two, and he would have got a draw on one scorecard. Like, he's he was looking good. Things are in our favor. The live betting market is all over him. But Dems to breaks. And who to blame? Him. Him. I think that takedown at the end of the first that was unnecessary, that he didn't need, was kind, was kind of the beginning of the end for him, right? Anyways, what can you do? Moving on, Jacob Malkoon, AJ Dobson. So we're coming off our first loss of the night. <laughs> now we got Jacob Malkoon, who you can't feel great about only because that 18-second knockout loss to Phil Hawes. Like, if his chin's not great, he's about to fight a dude in AJ Dobson that's going to bring some heavy pressure for the first three minutes. Uh, but again, just like we talked about in the preview show for Bookie Pita, sorry, uh, Dr. Pass podcast, he doesn't really fight past one round, right? He's kind of a one-round guy. He's at a Matt Brown's gym, but really, he spent a lot of time at Louis Simmons' powerlifting camp. And I just, I, I think he's really explosive and can knock out a lot of people in that first three to five minutes. But beyond that, it's going to be a problem. So this one would have been a great live bet as well, because you're looking for Malcolm to survive the first round. And that's exactly what he does. Uh, AJ Dobson comes in, kind of lights him up. Stand, not, I wouldn't say light him up. He had the better hand speed. He was chipping away. But Malcolm did an excellent job of just slipping out of range or blocking for the most part. But all the same, I mean, he's moving forward and he's getting hit. He shoots a couple takedowns and then he realizes, oh shit, you know, AJ Dobson's a strong dude. <clears throat> just wasn't really able to get his wrestling going in that first round. But what I appreciated was he stuck to the wrestling. So even though he wasn't getting him, he was leaning up against him. He was causing Dobson to carry his weight and just kind of working away. So, yes, you do lose the first round, and everybody scored the first round for A.J. Dobson. He, he was putting money in the bank by trying to tire him out. Now, the second round starts, and uh, it looks like I maybe underestimated Dobson a tad bit. His cardio looked better than I thought. I thought he was a three- to five-minute guy. He starts off the second round pretty good. But then you just saw that grind start to take over. Now, as soon as Malcoon did hit the takedown, uh, that was it. Dobson didn't really have the ground game, or the technique to get up, that brute strength. It was already zapped at this point, and Malcoon had his way. Going into the third round, you just knew Malcoon just needed a takedown. And again, another credit to A.J. Dobson. He starts the third round off pretty good. But, I mean, the takedown was just there for Malcoon, and as soon as he got it, that was it. I want to apologize, because how many fights has Malcoon had in the UFC now? Like three? And I, I call him a BJJ black belt all the time. And I say he's Robert Whitaker's BJJ coach. I, I always say those, like, ADCC competitor. And then on the broadcast, they said he was a he was a purple belt. News to me, man. So obviously, I'm spreading false information, dude. When he was on the ground, he didn't look no like no black belt, but his wrestling was on point, his his control was on point, and he did everything he needed to win this fight. So, yeah, good win puts us back in the win column. Jacob Malcoon is an even money pick. So on a card that I didn't have a ton of underdogs, uh, even money picks are just as good, and he, he was one of them. So now we roll into Ronnie Lutz versus Mana Martinez, and this is heavy stakes for us. This is another one I debated for a little while, but I want Ronnie Lawrence on my top ticket because one, I'm a big Ronnie Lawrence fan. I know he's going to fight for my dollar, but two, I just think this is a perfect stylistical matchup against Mana Martinez, who's not very uh, experienced. I don't think his ground game is all that good. I don't think his takedown defense is all that good. The pace is definitely going to go towards Ronnie Lawrence, and Mana Martinez is one thing that makes him dangerous is he's got huge power in both hands, but... He's coming off a decision performance where he didn't show huge power. And Ronnie Lawrence can take a punch, man. So this should just go in our way all day long. 
And it didn't, it didn't. So Ronnie was in the driver's seat. He was in control. It wasn't like I was worried at any point in the fight. It just wasn't like he looked like a minus 300 favorite. It wasn't like he was cruising, you know, that far ahead. Like the striking was actually relatively close. Every time Manning would throw, you cringe a little bit because you do know that he does have power. But Ronnie Lawrence is faster. He was in and now he's moving a lot better linearly. And then he would just shoot the takedown, get the takedown, get him on the ground. Not a whole lot of ground and pound, not a whole lot of submission attempts. But the takedowns were there. Manning would scramble. Martinez would, or uh, my boy Ronnie Lawrence, take him right back down. Second round, much of the same. You know, Manning gets a couple moments here and there, and then Ronnie just shuts it down with the takedown game. And I love these guys that can just go to the game plan over and over and over, rinse and repeat. Takedown, takedown city, grind on this guy. I think he's at Sanford MMA now. You know, it's a great camp. He's working with high level guys, and he always shows up in shape. He's going to be a problem. But then in the third round, maybe he takes it off. Maybe he knows he's up two rounds. But uh, Ronnie Lawrence kind of looked human in there. I mean, the striking, it's not super high level. The wrestling looks good against Manny Martinez. It looks good against Vince Cachero. Does, is it going to look good against guys that actually know how to wrestle? It's jiu-jitsu, right? There no, no real submission attempts here. No, no real ground and pound. So this is against Manny Martinez, the guy with lackluster credentials. What about when it's a bona fide guy in the ground? So Ronnie gets the win. Ronnie moves on. It's still a highly tethered prospect, and I think the world of him. And should he have been on the top ticket? I mean, Jeremiah Wells should have been on the top ticket, right? Ronnie Lawrence maybe shouldn't have, but uh, hey, a win's a win, and we will take it. We will not complain about that. Just just a little bit of food for thought maybe the next time that uh, that a Ronnie Lawrence fight comes up, and we need a big confidence in him. Carlos Ulberg versus Fabio Charant. I wanted to love this one. I wanted to move Ulberg up. Um and yeah, whatever. I'm glad I played it to some extent. I, I thought he would probably catch Charent at some point. And that's why I'm glad I'm not the biggest prop guy because I think I would have taken the inside the distance prop for sure. But uh, I, I because he came off that Kennedy and Jaku fight where he just threw caution to the wind, he came into this fight with just a completely new attitude, which is I'm just going to stay at range and and pick shots. And that style, which is a similar style, I suppose, that what we saw from Adesanya in the main event, it's a similar style to what Sean Strickland fought against Jack Hermanson last week. Uh, it's more of a, like a, like a, I wouldn't even say high intensity, but it's just sparring. You're just a sparring round, right? You're dictating the action. You're not overexerting yourself, standing on the outside and chipping away. And that's all he kind of really did. The first round, Fabio Charant was kind of a live body, but he could never get anything going. The second round, I thought Fabio Charant started okay, but around the two-minute mark into the round, he starts to tire. As he starts to tire, he moves back. He had no success moving back and allowing Ulberg to stand there and just snipe at him. The only success he had was moving forward. Unfortunately, when he moved forward, Ulberg just saw everything coming. He would counter with a check left hook. Things I didn't like out of Ulberg, his hands were super low. It looked like he's a guy that's just going to try to be a reactionary guy defensively. He's just going to try to like peacock his head out of the way. He's going to get clipped eventually. Um, Fabio Charant represented a fairly low level of opponent. He wasn't able to take him out. His striking was good, not great. His light kicks were probably the best uh, aspect of his game, but his boxing didn't really all look all that good to me. So I don't know what the UFC plans to do with him. If they want to keep matching him up soft, I think he'll be okay. If they want to throw him in there with a the wrestler, I think he's in trouble. If they want to throw him in there with someone who's even just a good striker, I think he could be trouble. Uh, I think they'll take the slow build with him, but I wasn't super impressed with what I saw, but at the same time, it was a 30, 27 across the board and he, he didn't really lose any of the exchanges. So fair enough. Fabio Charan, meanwhile, he's looked very limited. He lost his one fight in the contender series, still gets into the UFC. He's now 0-3 in the UFC. 
it hasn't particularly been a very good run. He this is the, he's lost a decision. He's lost a knockout. And he's lost by submission. He's kind of had that trifecta. I think UFC contracts are standard four fights. I don't know if they'll give him that fourth fight. If they do, hopefully it is somebody soft. I'd love to see the guy get a victory. He is a good guy. He's a nice guy in real life. Um, but yeah, this this ain't it. This ain't it. If you're struggling against a three and one guy in Carlos Olberg, who's new to this game, you're not you're not going to compete against the veterans of the sport, right? Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo Rojo. Here's another one that I debated it because I knew I want Kyler Phillips. I know he's got the skill set. I like this guy. I really do. On the other hand, we all know he's got cardio problems. We all know he is an apple pie shitter. And there's just always a sense when he fights that he's about to shit in the pie. There's just a feeling. It's a feeling in the air. But on the other side of the equation, you've got Marcelo Rojo. And oh, I just don't like Rojo. Like, can he bang? Does he want to stand in there and throw hands? Like, yeah, but at the weigh he looked arrogant. You know, he's just kind of just had that vibe to him where he was kind of overlooking Phillips. Like, I'm just going to knock you out. And then as he makes his ring walk, he like takes his shirt off and like, just like chucks it to his corner, man. He's kind of, he's kind of full of himself. So I was hoping he was going to get clipped early and get knocked out because if he made this a brawl and was able to lure Phillips into this dirty brawl, then you never know. Phillips is prone to screw up in those spots. And Rojo is an able body guy that's throwing heavy hands, right? He, he could be, he could be live. First round, I want to see Phillips getting his wrestling going, but he doesn't really care to do it. He stays to the outside. He's moving well. He's striking well. I've liked Phillips in his last two fights. Song Yadong, he looked good till he gassed late, but still secured the victory. His last fight should have been a draw. Looked phenomenal in the first round. Gassed late. In this fight, not that strong start that we normally see out of him, but I don't know if he was necessarily pacing himself as well. He's still only 26, but you need to learn from your mistakes. And what I didn't like about him is you. we know from his last two fights he has cardio issues, right? He tends to slow down. And still, he throws spinning hook kicks, and he throws just like these really flashy techniques that are explosive and quick, but it's exerting your gas tank, man. It's exhausting doing that stuff. And he does it. He spans wild techniques. So on one hand, it's flashy. On the other hand, you're not necess- you're not knocking these guys out with this stuff. So stick to the basics and fight a fundamentally sound game plan. He just doesn't really do it. So I thought he won the first round, but I thought he wasted a little bit of energy. The second round, um, I didn't really listen to the commentators a whole lot. Again, I was out. But it seemed to me like the tide was beginning to turn, right? As I rewatched it later, as I checked stuff online after the fact, it seemed like, uh, well, even I think they brought up some tweets on the screen and it was just like, oh, the versatility from Phillips, he's in the driver's seat. All three judges gave him the third, the second round. It seemed like most people scored the, fight, the second round for him too. I did score the second round for him, but it seemed like the tide was starting to turn a little bit. He was getting tired. Was getting a little more desperate. His wrestling, not that good. His striking, it's one and done. He doesn't throw combinations for the most part. It's one and done. One, two. You know, maybe just the one, maybe just the two, but not a whole lot of combination punching. The volume's falling off, and Rojo seems still seems like a live body. The third round, Rojo's cardio don't look all that bad, but Phillips finally gets something going. He hits him, he hurts him. He's able to take advantage of the situation, get the fight to the ground. And then once he gets the fight to the ground, easy money, passes straight to mount. I thought he was getting a little aggressive on the ground. You got a great position here. Take your time. There's still a full third round to go for, right? But as soon as he gets that full mount, he wants the mounted triangle. Gets the mounted triangle, smashes him with elbows, causes Rojo to uh, to scramble and try to move. And now you're in a triangle, but more so he's attacking the arm. Attacks the arm, Rojo taps. I think that's the fourth might be the fifth time that Marcelo Rojo has lost a third round. Like, like lost a fight in the third round. Doesn't happen very often. And it wasn't like he was super gassed. He started the round moving okay. It's just like Phillips was just like, my time went over, seized the day. So we had a lot of, we had Phillips high up on the tickets. 
We really needed that. He went out, he performed. This is good for him, <clears throat> but not a flawless performance. There were still some things that he needs to work on. And at 26, I'm sure he will. Rojo, Rojo's a fun fighter. I think you can keep him on the roster and you can have some fun fights with people. But again, 33 years old, limited, limited from what you're going to get. Casey O'Neill versus Roxanne Modafferi. This is a farewell fight for Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, again, we're high up on Casey O'Neill. We, we, we got her pretty high up on these tickets. And it's more so Roxanne's already announced her retirement. That almost never goes good for a fighter. She's older. She's slower. She's not athletic. The fight stays standing. Advantage O'Neill. If the fight hits the ground, well, O'Neill should be the one to dictate that because Roxy's not going to take her down. O'Neill could take Roxy down. So if it stays standing, it's O'Neill's. If it hits the ground, it'll be O'Neill on top. It's O'Neill's. And cardio. O'Neill's shown good cardio. So how could we possibly lose this fight? It's minus four hundred, but how can we lose? Right? Like it. Whatever. Got Casey O'Neill. First round starts out. Roxanne's pressuring. She's moving forward. I'm like, oh, okay, she's she's coming out here. This is her last fight. She wants to scrap, but. O'Neal's just intercepting her at every corner. Like, she's got blistering hand speed compared to Roxy's un unathletic, you know, striking prowess. And she's just intercepting her, picking her off, beating her with the jab, a couple of decent kicks, and she's just playing Matador to her. I think she was moving good side to side and just landing one or two shots at a time, but dictates the entire flow of the first round. That's an easy first round for Casey O'Neal, right? Second round, much of the same, only worse now. Roxanne's getting hit, and they're starting to affect her. She's getting hit. She, she frees up momentarily. Moving forward's not as easy now that you've eaten 50, 60 significant strikes. So she's starting to slow down ever so slightly in her own way. It's all Casey O'Neill in that second round. So now in the third round, this is easy money. I send out a tweet after the second round and I say, Roxy's as veteran as it gets. Girl's got 40 pro fights. She's a pioneer of the sport. Fought all over. Fought everybody. Never turned down a fight. The happy warrior. A true pioneer. I would say short of legend or, or hall of famer, but uh, maybe legend. She's a legend in, in, in a world that does exist, but not a hall of fame. She's, she, you, you know, things, you know, tactics, you know, your skills, you know, where the fight should take place and how to get to the best of your abilities. And it all evolved around taking Casey O'Neill down. Casey O'Neill doesn't have great takedown defense. The only path of victory for Roxanne is securing a takedown and getting on top. And she never even flirted with the idea for the much of two rounds, just loses the two rounds in the third round. It's like she finally snapped it together. I just wonder why it took her so long. And so she had a better third round. O'Neal took her foot off the gas a little bit, and it was mostly Roxanne pressing her against the cage, a little bit of dirty boxing here and there. Strong argument that you can make um, the third round for Roxanne Modafferi, especially because she's that pioneer on the way door. Like, why not give her a one last round for old time's sake? She can go and say, hey, I won the last round or my last MMA fight before I retire. Cool stuff. All good. And a split decision. No way. Split decision. I'm scratching my head. How could this be? Oh, yeah, it's in Texas. So not the most surprising thing in the world. But the right fighter did win in Casey O'Neill. I saw after the fact that the judge had given the first and third to Roxanne Modafferi. The third I agree with. So did the other two judges. But the first round, uh, I don't know, because of the pressure, because she moved forward. But that goes back to Texas Commission because that happens all the time in boxing, right? You've got one guy's an actual legit boxer. He's landing from the outside. The other guy's just brawling, coming forward. They like that. They like that. One has to wonder if that wasn't it. Roxanne's moving forward. Maybe that's what he saw. But that's pretty egregious as far as I'm concerned. So someone should look into that one. Andre Arlovsky versus Jared Vandera. <clears throat> as I say, someone should look into that. And the guy's a bozo. He scores this very next fight, Jared Vandera. And he's the one that gives it for Jared Vandera. And I'm... Not, I don't really disagree with them there, to be honest with you. This was a close, tight fight. First round, 
Andre Arlovsky, landing the better strikes. It's more so he's landing the more efficient stuff. It looked like he didn't, I wouldn't say rock, but he definitely got Vandera's attention with a couple nice right hands. He's got a little bit slightly better hand speed. Vandera's trying to get those combinations going. There just wasn't much to it. Arlovsky's dictating it. He's doing what he does best. He wins the first round. The second round is not quite as stri- straightforward. It seems like Arlovsky's maybe landing the slightly better shots, but Vandera's slightly landing more shots, and he's getting the forward pressure. He's moving Arlovsky backwards. He's starting to find his groove. It's certainly a better round for him. I'm inclined to lean Vandera the second round, but I wasn't paying as close attention as you should be if you're doing a guy's livelihood here. And at this point, because the Morozov, what I had left, like my big stuff that I had left, didn't really involve this, so I, I didn't really care. But I thought the second round could have been Vand. Could have been. Was it? Maybe, maybe not, but it could have been. And then the second round was Vandera for sure. Arlovsky just didn't do shit. But he, Arlovsky did the same thing in the third that he did in the second. I mean, he's just cage walking. Like, he's back. he's got his back against the cage. And he's just moving the perimeter and just waiting for Vandera to throw a couple punches so he can counter with one and then move out of dodge. Like, it's a smart game plan. It's an efficient game plan. But that's why I thought in a close round it should have been leaned towards Vandera. And then the third round, it's it's exactly the same. Only Arlovsky's not throwing shit. Not Nothing at all. They brought up the striking stats at one point. It was like 15 to 4. And Arlovsky's just staring at it as if he knows in his mind he's up too. And when you're Jared Vandera and you're 1-2 and two in the UFC, you have no name, you're a nobody, you showed up to the weigh-ins looking like a fat putz, uh, and you're taking on Andre Arlovsky, pro debut 1997, former UFC champion in the early 2000s, has fought the t- test of time. He's defeated... A plethora of opponents. His biggest victory, Father Time. Dude's 43 years old and he's like four and five. Or sorry, he's four and one in his last five fights, five and one in his last six fights. Like he's just turning back the clock. He does what he does. So in a close fight, I can't lie. If I'm even though I scored the fight personally for Jared Bandera, if I'm in the arena and it's a really close fight, I think you give it to Andre Olovsky. He's such a legend of the sport. He's a good guy. He's one of the good guys, and there's not a whole lot. And Jared Vandera, even though this would be a huge win for him and it would be great, you didn't, you haven't paid your dues, kid. You haven't do. You know they say you got to beat the champ to be the champ. This is not a title fight. This is not a championship fight. But when you're fighting Andre Arlovsky, you got to beat him to actually get the win. And Vandera did not beat him, so therefore I didn't really care about the decision either way. I just thought, you know, on a night that I got three losses, Morozov could have won that fight. Vandera, I think, could have won this fight, and. uh We'll talk about the next one later. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your big shot at the big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code DOP, bet just $1 on any NBA game, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DOP at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum of a $5 deposit. Gambling prom? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call and text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 
877-877-7777 or visit ccpq.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369. But anyways, Bobby Green, Nazareth Hack Bros. Uh, settled in with Bobby Green here. Started to like it more as the fight went down. Uh, weigh-ins is when I start to really get in. You're not allowed to touch the guy anymore. And Dana has to separate them. Dana's like, Bobby, don't. Bobby's getting fired up. And like, Bobby, what are you doing? But you could tell Bobby was steaming. He was ready to go. He was chomping at the bit, frothing at the mouth. I liked it. Um, fight's about to start. Bobby gets in the ring. Bobby's feeling that swag. And what I like about that is Bobby seems chomping at the bit. He's going to be aggressive. And this is perfect because this is exactly what we need for the game plan going to go accordingly. Talked about it on the previous show, Nasrat has looked like a volume puncher in the past, but he's really not. Freezes up in there against opponents that are bigger volume guys than him. Bobby Green, not a knockout guy in the slightest means. So if you take Bobby, you also want to juice it up by taking that Bobby by decision. But yeah, Bobby just used the volume, baby. Use the volume. And when he came out aggressive like that, Nasrat had nowhere to go. He tried to throw hands with him in the beginning, but he would just slowly fall behind the scorecards. And that's exactly what happened all three rounds. Beautiful performance from Bobby Green, one of his best as far as I'm concerned, because all of Bobby's fights are usually close and competitive. This one wasn't really all that close and competitive. I thought Bobby just had his way. Did he play with his food? Sure. But he hardly even shook his head because Nazareth hardly even hit him. It was good stuff, man. It was good stuff from Bobby Green. Um, yeah, a longtime veteran. I mean, he's, but, but putting together a solid run and for Nazrat blown up prospect, man, I thought the world of this guy, when he started out, I thought he was going to be, you know, legit, legit young, good skill set. Got to get in the right camp. Didn't go to the right camp. Went to TriStar. Terrible camp. Terrible, terrible, terrible camp. Never really made the progression. Now he just seems like a lost guy. Like, what does he do best? Is he, is he a striker? Didn't look like it. Didn't look like it in his last two fights. Is he a ground guy? <laughs> no. Dan Hooker tossed him to the ground pretty effortlessly, right? So you can't wrestle with the wrestlers. You can't strike with the strikers. His cardio is okay, but he's unwilling to do anything with it because he's falling behind in striking numbers. So Nazareth's got a tough – and this was a tough fight. You can't completely write the kid off. He could be back, but he needs a confidence boost. He needs like two, three fights in a row, a, a camp switch, and just like maybe um, a sports psychologist, like some, someone to just kind of be like, where's your head at? You got the skill. You got the talent. You're not really clicking together. So what can you do? But we have Bobby Green, so we're not, we, we don't really care what his plans are in life. Uh, we, we got the pick right accordingly. And at this point, I mean, we're looking pretty decent, right? I mean, we got, we are 1 0, 2 0, 2 1, 3 1, 4 1, 5 1, 6 1, 7 1, 7 2 because of Jared Bandera, 8 2 because of Bobby Green. We're now second fight of the main card, Hanato Moicano, Alexander Hernandez. And yeah, just like, I, Things 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 are going good. Things are lining up. Every week there's a couple ones that go exactly how you think and a couple ones that don't. And uh, this week, things are just rolling. They're going good. You need bounces in this game, right? You can do the tape research, and we do. You can talk about the stats, and we do. We can talk about the theory, and we do. But they still got to go out there and perform to what their ability is. And uh, that's, that's what happened here. Hernandez, bit of a front runner. Guy's got to have confidence. And fuck, man, we talked about that on the preview show. Maybe this guy needs a sports psychologist because when he's feeling good, He's dangerous, big power, athletic guy, good wrestling base. Just shredded this boy. Oh, man. But he's a confidence-based fighter. And when you take that confidence away from him, he completely falls apart. Donald was the first guy to do it. Got on his face, slapped him silly. You saw him crumble. In subsequent fights after that, he just has kind of looked stiff. Against low-level guys like Mike Breeden. Yeah, yeah, and not Breeden now. Chris Grootsmacher, yeah, sure, knock out Chris Grootsmacher. But against guys that are going to hold their ground and throw heat back, he crumples. Mentally, he crumples. So 
a decent first round for Hernandez versus Moicano. I thought Moicano won the round, but I thought that the jab from the outside, being a bigger, longer guy for Moicano, would be key. If he got clipped, he got clipped. It happens. I had Morozov got clipped. Lewis in a couple fights, you know, he ends up getting clipped. It's going to happen. Shit happens, right? But you're going to have to push the action on Hernandez and break him. Take that confidence away from him, and then he's just going to fall apart. And in the first round, good first round, when Hernandez failed to get a, a knockout victory, I think that that's when the tide started to turn. Second round, now Hernandez is staying at bay. He's not the one coming forward. He's not being aggressive. He's not trying to force the hand on Moicano. And another problem is, is Hernandez couldn't use his wrestling at all in this fight because I really don't think he wanted to go to the ground with Hanato Moicano. So his entire game plan revolves around standing with him. And that game plan would surely have to revolve around pressuring him. You don't want to stand at bay versus a much longer, bigger guy like that with that kind of laser-accurate jab. And uh, he did. In the second round, I don't know if he tied. I don't know if he was hurt. But he just stood at bay too long. And then, yeah, laser, laser sharp punch. Hurts him, rocks him. He hits the ground. And then you see Moicano's BJJ black belt on full display. Once Hernandez hit the ground, I mean, he was all over him. Just floated, took the back, easy money, slips in the rear naked choke. Just a gorgeous performance from Hanato Moicano, I think. Uh, first round could have used some work. But this it's a fight. Anybody can fight hard for five minutes. The first round's always the most dangerous. So I think he did a lot of good work in that first and then uh, second round, money in the bank, baby, money in the bank. So with Hernandez, uh, is he still a good prospect? Has he still got potential? Does he still got all these things? Yeah, for sure. But he needs to link up with the same guy that Nazareth. You know what? Fuck it. Hernandez versus Nazareth hack for us. <laughs> one of them is going to have to get a confidence boost and one of them done. So yeah, tough, tough. If you're a Hernandez follower, tough, uh, tighten out of the office because he's got all the skills. He could have made it work for himself, but uh, Moicano showed that he's not. The last thing I want to address because everyone talks about it, myself included, right? You're like, well, what, what if Moicano gets hit, gets knocked out? Knockout losses to Rafael Fazif, maybe the best striker in the entire division. Knockout loss to Chang Sung Jung, top five striker in the division. Knockout loss to Jose Aldo. I don't know what you want to call him, top a top two or three striker in the division. Like, so, so is Moicano chinny or is Moicano fighting the greatest power punchers the division's ever seen? That remains to be seen. Hernandez, not apparently that guy. So Moicano had his way. Jared Cannonier is Derek Brunson. Okay. I'm shitting my pants at this point because I'm big. I'm big on Jared Cannonier. I put him up high up on tickets. Um, the night's going very well, but the way I design a lot of these tickets, like I need Izzy still as well is, you can go, you could go 10 and 0 on the prelims. You make some money, some money, but all your real money is invested in these later fights. So things look like they're going good, but they could easily still burn up in flames. What I, what I, a perfect night for myself, even though I've got two losses, but I would have absolutely demolished. I need, I would need Lewis to come through. But if Cannonier and Adesanya come through, great. If Adesanya and Lewis come through, it means shit. I need Cannonier. Cannonier is the guy I absolutely need. So, I'm worried because I think Brunson's just going to spam takedowns. Not takedowns. I thought he was just going to press him into the cage and, and wear on him. And that's it. Just press him into the cage. Maybe maybe get a takedown, but more so just press him into the cage, lean on him, grind as much as you can, make it a terribly boring fight, and have the judges say, well, he was the one that was initiating the clinch. That That's that's my worst case, I believe. <clears throat> but uh, I, I, I liked Cannoneer. Now I'm watching a different fight because even though I'm very worried, I'm very nervous, I'm drunk and with my three best friends in the world at a party, but uh, I, I'm nervous because I got a lot riding on it, but I felt good about it. I felt like Cannoneer won the first round. I saw after the fact everybody had Brunson and I'm not going to disagree with it and I don't remember it quite as well, but 
This is from my take. This is just my personal take. He's landing the better shots. They say Brunson dropped him. I'd have to re-see it. It seemed to me like he was caught off balance. I don't know how much he was hurt from that Brunson knockdown, so I don't really credit the Brunson knockdown with that much. Brunson got the takedowns, and I think that's what people were suggesting one on the round. Maybe a knockdown, but two takedowns, certainly. And he did have some cage control there. But, man, I liked what I saw at a Cannoneer, dude. His takedown defense was on point. He shucked off a lot of good takedown attempts. He got away pretty good. And that's when I had the feel watching this first round. I'm like, this ain't Edmund Shabazian, baby. This is somebody that's going to fight back. This ain't Darren Till, baby. Like, Brunson is going to be in trouble because Cannoneer showed up ready to go. Then he would get the takedowns, but Cannoneer spent almost no time on his back. There was no ground and pound off the takedowns. There's certainly no submission attempts. He looked like he got a front headlock at one point. But, uh, but it was just Cannoneer just, you know, working his way back up, pushing him away, using his feet to the hips, scramble, get back up. And then when it was back up, I, I thought he was landing the better shots. Brunson was looking like he was a deer in the headlights, like, oh, shit. Like, I do not want to get hit by, hit by these. Look, desperate. I loved how that first round went. If I was in a more sober state, I would have, and I knew that everybody had that first round for Brunson, I would have live bet Jerry Cannonier. In fact, me and Manpre talked about it on the Prop and You Up show. Jerry Cannonier, second round knockout, right? Fuck, how good was that? <laughs> the second round, Brunson tired. Oh, shit. Now the takedowns are a little more desperate. They're a little more... Ah, man. You know what? Just go back and watch the Prop and You Up show. That one went to a T. More desperate. He's getting sloppy. You get sloppy. You get hit. You get hit by Jerry Cannonier and your Derek Brunson. You go out, man. Beautiful set of elbows. Just smashed him up. Brunson gets tired. His, his three-fight winning streak, he was getting tired in all of them. He was getting knocked out. Almost knocked out most of them. It's that that takedown just happened to work for him. Cannonier showed up with his oats and his lunchbox ready to go. And that, that was the difference maker, man. Jerry Cannonier showed up ready to go, did exactly what he had to do, secured that second round knockout. Beautiful, beautiful work from Jerry Cannonier. Uh, Ty Tuivasa, Derek Lewis, <laughs> a Lewis win here would be very, very nice. Very, very nice. But beggars can't be choosers. This is heavyweight MMA. When Paul and I broke down the show on uh, Dogger pass, one of the thing was it's a 14 fight card. So you need to, you need to get some underdogs in. Now, the only real underdog that I liked was Jared Vandera, who lost. We had an easy, uh, an even money pick with Jacob Malkoon. But so far, Grishin's the favorite. Wells is the favorite. You got an upset against D'Andrage, but I wasn't on the right side of that one. We had Malkoon, even money. But Ronnie Lawrence is a favorite. Alberg's a favorite. Phillips is a favorite. Those were all big favorites, by the way. Casey O'Neill's a favorite. We lost the Vandera one, our only dog shot. And then Green's a favorite. Mike Connor's a favorite. Jared Cannonier's a favorite. So when Paul and I talked about, like, well, well, where are the dogs? Where are the dogs? Well, the one thing that becomes clear is in heavyweight MMA, two big boys that are going to get there and just let them hands go. Uh, the under one and a half was always going to look good. The under two and a half was always going to look good. It's heavyweight MMA. And uh, I know some people that hit the Tai Tuivas KO prop. And beautiful, beautiful. Because if you were going to bet the underdog, you might as well take that KO prop. You knew it was going to go that way. I think it was playing, like, plus 500, close to... It was a nice price tag. And yeah, like if, you, if you're the type of guy that wants to get an underdog, then yeah, heavyweight MMA, like it's like women's MMA. You could just spam the other side and you have a legitimate shot. And that was it. I mean, it could have easily gone Derek Lewis's way. I thought Lewis showed up in looking in really good shape. I mean, his speed was there. Uh, the first round, he lands on Ty Tuivasa, hurts him, drops him. Ty looks done. Lesser referees like Mark Smith maybe jump in and stop it. But 
Ty fights back, man. You got to give him that. He's resilient. He gets back up. Lewis doesn't unload the gas tank by no means, but this is a very good Lewis first round. He scores a takedown in the first round. Man, he did it all. Second round, he shows up, and he's, he's still moving good. He wasn't gassed. I thought to myself, we're looking very, very good right now. Lewis is not tired. He's in very good shape. His strikes are landing. He's hurt and tied with everything. But Ty's cardio was on point. For a guy that does that many shoeys and carries a little extra belly fat, he's a former uh, semi-pro rugby player. He's a good athlete, and the boy can go. The boy can go. And then that second round, he turned off the pressure and just made it a flat brawl. Now, Lewis has got maybe the most power in the division. You know him, Francis, Yarazino, Rosenstruck. But Ty Tuivasa, even though you don't have him as a top three power puncher, how much what is he not? Can he not knock out a guy just because he's not? Like, come on. You got ultimate power versus ultimate power. It was just a question of who was going to land first. Lewis did land first, but Ty took it, man. Good chin. Ty gave it back. Lewis couldn't take it. Lewis couldn't take it. Uh, someone mentioned it looked like he was getting tired. I think he was getting hurt. I think a couple of those shots crazed him, threw off his equilibrium. And then you saw, this is something Lewis has done before, he'll get hit, he doesn't go down, but his balance is off. Like, he kind of does the stanky leg. And at that point, Ty just bum-rushed into him. But that elbow that knocked him out was uh, was a thing of beauty. It really was. Um, so $50,000 KO with a night bonus for Ty Tuivasa, hitting all the shoeys, gets the crowd pumped up. This is now back-to-back fights that have lost on Ty Tuivasa, which is embarrassing because we're shoey fans. We're fans of the man. And uh, whereas I always say, oh, man, Derek Lewis, that was the real quick thing. If I bet Lewis, he loses. If I bet against Lewis, he wins. He's the, been the worst guy for me ever. I happen to back him this time. Happened to back of this name did not go good. So, if you ever hear me break down a Darren Lewis fight, just disregard it, just disregard it altogether. Main event is Radasanya versus Robert Whitaker. We need Izzy, we need Izzy. I could hedge out of this thing, but because of that Morozov loss earlier and this Lewis loss right now, I don't want to say I went 11 3 on a card and made a couple of units. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. It felt like we've been having a tremendous night and we need to cap this off as a tremendous night. But talking to MMA Lock of the Night on uh, our uh, Prop and You Up preview show, he was picking Robert Whitaker and he made a lot of valid points, right? Whitaker might have been hurt the last time, been sick the last time. He had some chin issues. He had this and that. He had issues that he needed to resolve. resolve. He wasn't at his best. If he shows up at his best, he makes us in some takedowns. He is a lethal striker. Like maybe he can make it work. But fuck it, man. They call me the original rambling gambling man because I just, I ramble. I'm a rambler. I'm sure you guys know that. And uh, I'm a gambler. I'm sure you guys know that. So fuck it. Uh, it's not a loss if it is he loses, but it would be a nice win. And I just want to roll with it. First round, he's in the driver's seat. He wins the round. This is how I'm thinking. But I'm, I'm in an intoxicated state. But first round, he's just going through the motions. He's staying long, good leg kicks, chopping away. Whitaker's throwing some decent overhand rights. You know, maybe he 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 grazes him with a couple, but it's out of Sonya round. The second round, it's Israel out of Sonya round. It's much of the same. He's just controlling it. It looks a lot like Sean Strickland from last weekend. It looks a lot like Carlos, Carlos Olberg from earlier on this card. He just, everything that's happening is because he's choosing it to happen. He's not really putting his foot on the gas. He just signed his biggest contract in UFC history or one of the highest paid athletes in UFC history. It's not like he's trying to wow the crowd. But he's fighting methodically. And because I have a bunch of money on it and some some overs on the round totals, I'm cool with that. But the second round, he hurts Robbie, man. Like, I'm thinking my round totals are dead in the water. Like, he's looking way sharper. It looks like he's about to knock out Whitaker. Second round, money in the bank. Third round, 
it's money in the bank. The fourth round, Whitaker rallies a little bit. Whitaker gets gets going a little bit. I guess you could score the fourth round. Whitaker, it's the closest round. It's the closest round. The first three are definitely out of signing as far as I'm concerned. But sure, right? Okay, round four. I would score it for, for Robert Whitaker. And then in the fifth, I thought it was Izzy again. Uh, not, a, not a great round. Not a runaway round. The first three were definitely his best. But I think he won the first three. And then at that point, went through the motions a little bit. Um, Robbie Reaper just never really got anything going for the most part. He just kind of went through the motions. Finding out a sign would be a very, very difficult, tough task. If you charge at him, you're playing into his hands. He wants to counter you. And if you don't, you stand at bay with him. He's longer and he's got the leg kicks and the leg kicks will add up. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good performance from Adesanya. What I will say is I am extremely impressed that a man, but he's not super young, right? Adesanya is 32. That a man that had that extensive okay, so you you live in New Zealand and they don't have a bona fide wrestling program from the get-go. So he comes from Nigeria, he would have no wrestling experience. You get to New Zealand, they don't really have the means to give you high-level wrestling experience. So he has no wrestling experience, but they got wicked good kickboxers. So he spends all of his time you know, perfecting this kickboxing craft and getting good at kickboxing and becomes an elite kickboxer, right? But at no point has he worked any type of ground skills or any type of wrestling, nor is he in an area of the world that really has the ability to give him those skills. So he transitions to MMA and, you know, let's be real. For, they gave him, uh, he took on a lot of wrestlers to be fair with you, but it just seemed like that was always going to be his kryptonite. And the Jan Blockwitz fight, okay, that, that's exactly what we were all waiting for it to happen, and it finally happened. His takedown defense is no good. His grappling is not all that good. Then the very next fight, Marvin Vittori, and it's the span of three months. It's three months later. He gets taken down by Marvin Vittori. He gets back up every single time. Gets back up. Ground game, defensively sound. Ability to get back up on point. Marvin Vittori, no slouch but not really the highest level ground guy, right? So into this Whitaker fight, Robbie shot some good takedowns. Robbie got some takedowns. Adesanya impressed the shit out of me, dude. At what point did he pick up those skills? What man gave him those skills? Who's grinding in the gym with him? But he he must be absolutely committed to his craft. This is a guy that's not just fucking around and watching anim videos and posting funny videos and practicing his dance moves and talking game like he's we already know he's an elite level striker right to attain that level would take a certain amount of commitment to pick up another skill and he's not an elite level wrestler grappler but to to get that skill to a fairly elite level shit man shit dangerous dangerous dude worth every penny the ufc gave him i hope he got paid an absolute shit ton my man hitting in the main event. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff all around. Uh, yeah, 11 and 3. 11 and 3. Can't complain about that. The parlays could have been a little bit tighter, but we did get a couple bad bounces. But I'm cool with the reads. I'm cool with the reads. I'm cool with how things went. Shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the show. Shout out to Mayo Media Network for providing the platform. And, of course, for you guys. I know I wasn't super active on social media, so I probably missed a bunch of tweets. But I hope you guys crushed it, too. I hope everybody made money and enjoyed the fights. I know I did. And, uh, yeah, now we got to pfl challengers coming up so i'll probably do that on cjmma unless pat wants them to his channel whatever figure something out and that's about it we got another ufc coming up so don't give it all back to the bookie if you did make money save it if you didn't make money no problem we'll get those bad bounces corrected for next week for you and uh hopefully get in the win column so best of luck everybody enjoy the super bowl i'll catch you guys later oh, oh, oh.
Oh!